0: G'day. Welcome to Lunch Money. We are your online and social media home for special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. Uh, I am the fund manager and director here at Hermes Capital and I am your Lunch Money live stream and podcast host. So a very special and warm welcome to you. Well, what have you been doing this week? I'll tell you what I've been doing this week. I I flew to Perth and back and I flew on Virgin and uh, it certainly got me thinking a lot about the aviation sector um, uh, with the borders now open. Um, we're, we're able to jump on planes and, and travel about the place. Uh, obviously, aviation uh, was was a big part of the news uh, last year with uh, with what Virgin went through. And now uh, they're back on their feet again with the support of Bain Capital. It's very interesting to see what's going on there. Um, when, when the big aircraft stopped flying last year, it, it did make some structural changes to the smaller operators And I think that aviation is a is a fascinating space on a number of uh, levels. Firstly, you know we're seeing an industry go through a a restructure or a workout, if you like, uh, at an industry level. But we're we're seeing what the knock on effects are for the for the smaller players. We're also it's also a little bit of a um, uh, a view a a line of sight into the business uh, community and the economy general generally. So we have got. I think it is very safe to say, arguably. Australia's two best aviation experts. I'm willing. If you don't, I'm willing to, to take a challenge on that. If you don't think that uh, uh, that David Creek and Sebastian Hans aren't the two best guys uh, to have on your team in an aviation situation, I'd like to. I'd like you to tell me uh, who that who it might be instead. Before we uh, before we introduce those guys, um, I would like to ask you to appeal to you to uh, uh, share, like, or subscribe to our podcast. Share it with your friends. Uh, if you if you subscribe or hit the reminder button on uh, on uh, YouTube, you'll get a little reminder and you won't miss an episode. That said, a lot of people say to me, "Oh, I missed out on Friday because you know I was busy doing such and such." We're a podcast as well. You can listen to us uh, on your iPhone or on your uh, on your Google phone. And this week we've just joined uh, iHeart Radio and Audible. So you'll be able to, uh, to listen to us there as well. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce our first guest, and that will be David Crick. G'day, David. How are you?
1: Hi, Nick. Very well, very well. Thank you very much.
0: Fantastic to have you on board. Now, I mean, looking at your uh, your profile here, I'm not sure where to where to begin. You've uh, you've been involved with so much. I mean, firstly, you're uh, you're an air you're an aviation value. You value uh, helicopters, which are rotary wings for the novices, and fixed wing aircraft, which are yep. the things that the rest of us just call aeroplanes. But also the ancillary uh, ancillary things uh, that that go with uh, with aviation as well. Um, yep. you, uh, you, you you know you've been a lecturer at the Embry Riddle Aeronautic University university college of business for aviation appraisal theory and practice which is quite interesting there's a whole bunch of that stuff on your cv which which is really interesting i mean the point is that you've been around this space for a long time um, yep. so what what uh, what's been keeping you busy this week
1: and there's there's just a lot going on in the aviation space uh and in terms of uh both transactions and financing and i guess uh, we're quite busy this week with probably four things and, and the, the four different things, one is uh, what we would probably term mergers and acquisitions, um, where aviation entities are either in a, in a process of merging or being acquired. Uh, the other is still around acquisitions, but it is uh, more about individual aircraft that are being acquired primarily from offshore. So private aircraft that are being acquired from you know, the US or uh, Europe or South Africa. The third is pre-lend. There seems to be a lot of traction with uh, finance at the present and people uh, either needing more assets or wanting to uh, leverage their assets. And then the fourth thing that we've been busy on this week is uh, some litigation issues around uh disputes with aviation assets. So that's that's probably the four things that we're finding are quite quite busy at present.
0: I mean, that's that's fascinating, really. I mean, you you know, we, we've you know, this this today's podcast is uh, sort of focusing on aviation. A lot of people might think, well, that's a little bit specific for me. But let's just look at those four points that you've raised. Firstly, yeah. M and A's. I mean, I've said before, you know, we we featured M and A's a couple of weeks ago, more broadly, but obviously, right. there's a lot of M and A activity in the aviation space. And is that uh, yeah, we said earlier, and we'll come to it a little bit later, but aviation. You know, there's general aviation. There's, you know, there's there's the yes. uh, also you know fly in, fly out. For what? I mean, in what sort of areas is the M and A activity?
1: So, some of it is consolidation in terms of uh, the the market is quite crowded in specific areas. For example, we saw that um, CHC Helicopters has uh, has put a a, a a bid together to purchase uh, Babcock. Uh, and their offshore capabilities in terms of uh, oil and gas offshore transportation. Uh, we also see other areas where successful operations uh, here in Australia are, are looking at offers from overseas equity and uh, capital organisations to to purchase their their uh, operations. So it's it's quite busy with that respect.
0: Well, uh, that that is interesting, and and on the pre-lend uh, on the pre-lend side. Um, mm-hmm. So, how how are the? I mean, the brokers. I, I speak to a couple of guys that specialise in this in this space. Yeah. Um, I mean, generally speaking, I mean, forget leaving aviation aside. Just as a general thing, people are saying, look, we're getting deals done, but they just take a long time. Uh, That's true. Now, what, one deal that I saw in the aviation space. So, uh, is there a feeling that the banks uh, are wanting you to really have you know I was looking at a situation where someone had a turboprop and he wanted to buy a jet, and I think the bank's attitude is well, do you really need a jet you know to to fly around the place uh, you know, is there a bit of that or what are you what are the bankers telling you
1: there's a uh, my perception is the banks are are probably a bit gunshy in their in their attitude towards financing aircraft with respect to. Sometimes their their mentality may their mindset may come from that commercial aircraft space, and in that commercial aircraft space, the risk is high at the present with the number of of aircraft uh, that are that are in preservation or parked. I think there's there's close to I think twelve thousand aircraft that are currently parked around the world. So you know, financiers and 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 funding institutions are seeing that as a risk, rightly so. But there's probably five different sectors around the aviation space, and each one of them acts very differently. So a commercial aircraft acts differently to a freighter aircraft, which acts differently to a general aviation aircraft, which yeah. acts differently to a helicopter or a private jet. So yeah. each each market segment needs to have its own uh, assessment as to what is risk and what isn't.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. I mean, I, I guess you know you said that there's twelve thousand of these things that are uh, that are on the ground in in care and maintenance. I suppose to use mining mm-hmm. terminology. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the other the other point you make there, or uh, well, that is, I mean, aviation is very much a global business, right? I mean, yeah. for a start aircraft are usually valued in US dollars. Uh, yep. You're not necessarily just looking for local buyers. Uh, it's a matter you of know, buyers come from all over the world. I mean, I remember a number of years ago, it was my first experience in selling uh, a jet. It was a Bombardier, something or other, with a range right. of six thousand kilometres. I mean, the first thing was, you know, you go, geez, for six thousand kilometres, you could go from here to Fiji, and from you know, from Fiji to Colombia or somewhere. You
1: never see right. that again.
0: Um, but, there's, but it is very much a global, uh, a global business, isn't it?
1: It, it is, you're right. It's very much uh, uh, valued and priced in US dollars in the primary. and it's it is a global market. And yeah. the reality is they're a mobile asset that are able to be placed anywhere. So that's yeah. the case. And I think that it, it, it's more around the operation than it is around the asset. For example, you, you might have some, you know, longer range or regional aircraft that can seat, say, 100 passengers. And we can see that in some industries like, for example, uh, what what's called RPT or regular passenger transport with your Virgins, your Qantas and, and the like, they're, they're having quite a struggle at the moment because of various border restrictions and passenger take-ups. But you have another entity with the same size aircraft that can seat a hundred passengers um, and there's an operator here in Australia, for example alliance airlines hmm. they 're quite broad based in in their approach and not only doing regular passenger transport but also mining work and charter operations so their aircraft are very busy and i think I think right. that the the management of alliances has got uh, a lot of credibility and a lot of kudos goes to them on the basis that they've diversified what they do and they're actually finding a way to use their aircraft.
0: Well, I must say, I've sort of watched them from a distance and they've really, uh, you know, they've, they've gone from strength to strength over, say, the past six or seven years. I think it's fair to say. I think that, yeah. uh, that they have been quite the success story. Okay, listen, we could talk all day, David, but we do have our other guest, uh, Sebastian Hans, <laughs> I'm going to put you back in the, uh, in the flight lounge and uh, we'll introduce Sebastian Hams. G'day, Sebastian. How are you going?
2: Well, i well, thank you, Nick. How are you?
0: Very good. Sebastian's a partner at Court in Melbourne. You're sitting That's in right. Melbourne right now as we speak. You were the financial controller of Crystal Palace Football Club.
2: Yes, in, in another life, back in, uh, what, 2002. Yeah, quite some time Wow, ago.
0: wow, wow. I mean, that is fascinating. I'd love to talk to you about that. Interestingly enough, I'm hoping next week to get... Um, uh, Gino Mara as a guest. He's the chairman of the newest uh, A League team, and uh, I'm hoping that he's going to tell us all about uh, the, you know, the the, the the journey that he's been on uh, getting getting that getting that going. Um, but look, you um, you were involved in Ansett. Uh, mm-hmm. With you were on the administrators team there. You were a receiver mm-hmm. of Brenda Bella. Uh, you were uh, an advisor to Bain on the recent transaction with respect to Virgin. Um, so I'm pretty happy to stand by my uh, my assertion that probably you're the man when it comes to this stuff. Um tell me what what's keeping you busy of late?
2: Uh keeping us busy. So I mean last year was a, a fantastic year for us acting for Bain to to buy Virgin. Um a, a great acquisition and you know, lots of the challenges in the market there um with the uncertainty and the ramp up and, and International travel return, um, so so that's sort of still keeping us busy in terms of a couple of discrete uh, roles um, with with the Virgin and Bain guys. Um, other stuff that's keeping us busy is actually quite similar to what David was talking about. Um, some inquiries from from bank and financiers, and a lot of that. To your point, Nick, is is around actually understanding uh, what's going on in the aviation market, understanding those different sectors, uh, different aircraft types, what they do, what their KPIs are, where the risks are, because it is a little bit of a an unknown. Um, so a lot of people just just. Uh, give us a call just to understand and and the other part of it i think that's actually really interesting is playing out globally and and we've we sort of talked about this quickly beforehand was what's happening in that financing space with the the various bonds and so on and so forth so there's a lot happening around the world um as david said there's an awful lot of aircraft on the on the ground around the world so there's 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 been a complete structural reset of the global aviation market and and that's playing out um as we speak
0: uh, and that's interesting i suppose again because of your experience so you're getting people uh picking up the phone to you when, when, uh, when they're looking at m&a's for example uh on, on the economics and, and the markets uh,
2: generally yeah. yeah yeah and that's right look there's a lot of money floating around at the moment um everyone knows that um and and there's a lot of interest in aviation um one of the the dangers with aviation is is everyone still thinks it's this this fascinating uh romantic industry but at the end of the day it's it's pretty cutthroat it's pretty hard work um you know your, your safety and this goes without saying, but your safety has to be you know, beyond, beyond compare. So it is a really, really tough business. Um, you, you only have to look at the Australian competitive market to understand how tough it is in both the RPT, the charter um, and, and the general aviation space.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were talking a bit earlier. What what um what has been interesting is with fewer aircraft, well, with fewer passenger aircraft flying around. Uh, you know, some of the smaller uh, freight guys have picked up have picked up extra freight work, and mm. and even some of the fly in, fly out stuff. Uh, you know, because they've got different you know smaller aircraft and different configurations, if you like. Uh, it certainly creates those sorts of opportunities. Um, I, I did, you know, the the plane that I caught, you know. I, I went to Perth and back, and uh, the plane was full. I mean, it was chockers. There was a few, a few spare seats, mm. but there's fewer flights available. Uh, yep. I mean, do you, how do you see? How do you see all of that? Um, that uh, main stuff ramping up again. You know, will there be more flights? And you know, will we be back to normal? Or what's the? What? What are they saying in those circles?
2: Yeah, look, at, and look. I hope you're fine Virgin, Nick. Um, but um, nothing else, mate. Only Virgin. Yep. That's great. That's great. So, look, um, you know, Virgin have gone, as everyone knows, to a 737 fleet. Um, you know, fleet simplification is really important. One fleet, you know, it takes a lot of the, the complexity out of the business. In terms of what the market's going to do, it'll be a slow and careful ramp up, I think, um, which which presents a lot of challenges. We in Australia were, I think, very lucky in, in terms of being able to hibernate our businesses. And I don't say that just with aviation. You know, you're basically... We, by virtue Virgin of going through a uh, voluntary administration, were able to put the planes on what's called power by hour. So you know, use you pay for what you use. That, in conjunction with JobKeeper, essentially we're only we, we, we variableized all our costs. So right. we were able to do that. You now the challenge for a lot of businesses, both in Australia and globally, is they haven't been able to do that. And you know, we see with Air Lingus, for example, issuing those bonds. That's essentially what they're trying to cover the lack of. The lack of the ability to variableize their cost, and then when you talk to the ramp up, um, you know there's there's aircraft on the ground around the world, um, so the availability of aircraft is there. You know it takes oh. a bit of time to get them into service, and so yeah. this will happen. And and the challenge is is what that ramp up looks like, both domestically and internationally, um, and, and oh. there will be different timelines.
0: I would have thought, uh, I mean, David said there's 12,000 aircraft. I appreciate they're all different shapes and sizes and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. Um, but regardless, I mean, the point is there's a lot of aircraft just sitting around and money mm-hmm. is at you know, I mean, we've got zero interest rates, although personally, I think that's going to change, surely. But, but, uh, you know, to, 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 if you need to get your hands on it, was there seven three seven four hundreds that are in the Virgin fleet?
2: 800s, yeah. 800s, yeah.
0: So if you suddenly need to, to, to pick up an extra half a dozen of those, uh, they're, they're probably sitting somewhere in a desert, you know, in the US. I mean, there's availability.
2: There is yeah. availability. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the Rex guys have, have, have done a very sensible thing and and picked up, uh, I think they've got six now, you know, two on the ground or something like that. I think five of the six are, are ex Virgin, so they came out yeah. of the Virgin fleet. Um, yeah. You know, sensible stuff.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, listen, uh, we will bring David back. And Sebastian, you, you just mentioned uh, the the Air Lingus bond, so I might just flash that up. Yeah, you know, the Air Lingus owner IAG to raise one point two billion survival bond. Uh, now, the first thing that I would say about that is that obviously the marketing department hasn't been anywhere near that announcement, uh, because I'm not sure I would be calling them survival bonds. They sound like war bonds. But uh, would you be subscribing to those, David? What do you what do you what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I think so. There's there's lots of different methodologies that that uh, capital raising is using in the moment. We're, we're aware of some uh, capital raising by uh, putting putting a, a a lien against the, the spares uh, that each individual airline uses, uh, and basically using it as like a cash flow lend to to basically provide some sort of uh, some sort of you know, liquid finance in order to to keep the thing afloat, and that's that's very common. Okay,
0: yeah, all right. What and what do you think of that, Sebastian? I mean, obviously, if someone has been on the inside with Ansett and Virgin, I mean, what, 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 do, you, do you think that'll be a successful bond raise? And I think we were talking before. Yet, this isn't going to mum and dads. This will be going to institutions.
2: Mm. Well, look. As I said before, there's a, there's a lot of money out there. Um, mm-hmm. If you sort of just wind it back, I mean, what this is doing is is lingus and they're not on their own. Every business or every airline around the world um, has been burning cash. So simply, what what they're doing is is if they haven't been able to reset their cost base and and essentially put their uh, their assets into hibernation, and I include people in that. They're going to have been burning cash, so this is, you know, to call it a survival bond um, is ex- just extending the life of the uh, of the airline. Um, Qantas did it, um, so you know there's lots of cheap money out there. It, it'll it'll get away provided people can see a return to some sort of status quo um, in the, in the next six to twelve months.
0: Okay, yeah, all right. Now, um, one of the the thing uh, David said before. I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's different. Sectors, you know, the, in the aircraft industry, there's there's guys that are, are running mail. There's guys that are running flying uh, flyouts. Fly You've got tourism operators. I think you mentioned David uh, about the the guys that are hopping around the oil rigs. I guess is what you were talking yes. about before. Um, I mean, what, what what are the main sectors, and what are, what are some of the what are some of the challenges that uh, that these different sectors are facing? If you want to sort of zero in on a on a sector,
1: sure. Yeah. So some of the sectors are, are reasonably constant and others are, are quite uh fluid. And I guess like for example, freighter aircraft. The majority of flight that that flies around the globe literally is basically done as an adjunct to passenger transport. And when passenger transport was reduced with the pandemic, you know, there, there was a period at the beginning of the pandemic when Uh, there was around 70% of aircraft that were sitting on the ground. Uh, And since then, I think narrow body, which is the 737s and the A320s, that's reduced to around uh, 60% now, uh, sorry, 40%, whereas the wide bodies are are much higher still. Um, But freighters, there's an 18-month wait to get into a, a freighter conversion shop and just to convert a 737 or an A320 is going to cost you $4 million just to convert it from a passenger aircraft or freighter. So there are some some uh, inhibitions to entry there. And if people have got freighter aircraft, obviously the the values and prices are going up on the basis that, you know, there's scarcity of supply and requirement for demand.
0: Interesting. Um, I, I, I've got a friend who's a, a, a logistics manager for a, an FMCG business, and yeah. he says the logistics between the East Coast and the West Coast are just uh, just diabolical. I mean, are, are aircraft picking up any of that slack, or what's the...
1: Yeah, fr- freighter are, absolutely. Yeah, yeah freighter, freighter aircraft are busy beyond belief at the present, and, and that goes from small turboprop aircraft, uh, you know, doing charter runs and... Moving, you know, mail and flowers and and what have you around the place to large, you know, solely freight aircraft that are moving, you know, big heavy loads into, you know, mining communities or or, or regional communities. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I guess uh Sebastian with the you know with the mining sector is obviously particularly in WA for example the mining sector is going very well over there. Uh I I guess that means that if you're in the fly and fly out game it's pretty good. But what, what I'm just interested on, on the freight side. The, how does the economics of freight fit in with those uh large you know with, with an airline like Virgin for example how does the economics of freight uh plug into the models there?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean the economics of freight simply plug into the RPT model by virtue of carrying freight in the belly of the aircraft um, so you know it, it, it's reasonably simplistic um, in terms of the uh, the resource, game and, and the charter game, you know, with iron ore at what, hundred and seventy bucks a ton, they're they're trying to get people up there as fast as they can. One of the things that'll actually be interesting and, and where the main game is with fly and fly out is not so much in the production side of it. It's actually in the infrastructure uh, and, and in the investment phase. So if it if if the prices stay up like they do, like sorry, like they are at the moment with iron ore and gold, etc. Um, and we see another investment phase, that's when that's when the the, the real benefit comes through. It's not so much in the production phase.
0: So, so just to sort of segue into mining there just just, just for a bit, do you, do you think are we about to see another in, an investment phase? Because obviously we had a huge investment phase sort of, you know, five to ten years ago, I guess. So that, then that, when that came to an end, the sort of the mining boom was over more or less. Is
2: that, mm. is that ramping up again, you think? Well, look, I mean, if the pricing stays up, um, you know, it, it's, it's natural that it will. I'm probably getting a little out of my wheelhouse when, when we start talking about China and, you know, impact of Brazil and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable, I speak for all airlines when I say that uh, they'd, they'd welcome a, another investment phase yeah
0: okay and now um on the when you're talking to bank sebastian i'll just stay with you and then i'll come to you on this david i mean are there different sectors of aviation that banks are more concerned with and other sectors that they're they're hot on i mean how how are you what, what sort of conversations are you having
2: yeah it's it's probably even more than that it's this, within sectors, there's actually there's risk profiles within sectors. So if you if you think about it, um, you look at aviation, and let's just take RPT for an example. They look, you know, you'll have some financiers are looking at um, aircraft finance um, either through leases or or owned aircraft. You've then got financiers who are looking at the merchant, um, and what I mean by that is when you buy a ticket on credit card, um, you create a merchant risk. You know, and the banks will generally bond that cash. Um, That is a significant issue. Um, You've then got. uh, the infrastructure around the airports, um, you know, airports are a very expensive asset. Um, you know, the, the, they they make a lot of money, um, and generally uh, the banks get pretty comfortable with that. And then you've got the downstream assets. So you know, you, sorry, downstream businesses that are, that need to be financed. So if you think about fuel, if you think about catering, um, you think about engineering, and and everything that goes towards running an airport and an airline. Um, you know, there's so many there's so many finance streams in that. Um, so it's it it starts to get really complicated, not just in with each within each of the sectors, um, but within each of the finance streams that, that contribute to it. So what the bankers uh, are really looking for is to understand where they sit in the in the um, in the waterfall, if you like, um, and and what's going to happen with that in the context of that uncertainty, specifically around the the international ramp up. that really
0: is a fascinating supply chain when you think about it you know yeah i mean it goes from the you know to get that bum on that seat when you think about you know all those different moving parts david what about you are are there things that when the banks ask you to value you know they're going to love it And there's other ones that well i guess you're probably advising them as well you know what to stay clear of and
1: yeah yes and no i i think the main thing that's an issue is that when we talk about regular passenger transport or rpt it's basically cost per seat per mile, and it's it's a without simplifying it, it's 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 an essentially an equation. Whereas in other sectors, um, the aircraft may be uh, an actual operating entity, or they may be an adjunct to another business. And so, for example, in uh, helicopters, if you're running a mustering organisation, then the, the helicopter is essential to the service. But if you are uh, an electrician that has got a group of guys and you're you're working out how to get across uh, for all your regional clients, then the aircraft is just a tool of trade. And more so in helicopters than in fixed wing aircraft, helicopters are essentially a tool of trade. They're usually purchased for a mission specific purpose. So it might be for transporting oil and gas people, it might be for um, emergency medical transport or repatriation. It might be for search and rescue processes. There's, there's a lot of reasons that you would buy a helicopter and pretty much all of them are specific uh, utilization based. Whereas uh, some other aircraft are more discretionary spends more so in the private and the general aviation space.
0: Right. Okay, I, I mean, look, what, what, what we haven't got to yet, and I'd like to get to before we run out of time, is uh, what, what what sort of aircraft, I and mean, what what's happening in the valuations of aircraft? Are they, you know, what what are the what are the main influences at the moment? Are they holding up? Is the you know the US dollar value like what what are the main things that are feeding into into the valuations at the moment? I'll start
1: with you, David, and then I'll come to you. Sure, sure, sure. With the the global pandemic, uh, some of the actual um, original equipment manufacturers have either reduced or closed down their shops and, Mm -hmm. you know, they've reduced their production rates. So the the actual supply of new aircraft is either uh, lower and or slower. And so, for example, a Robinson helicopter of which, you know, there's 2,300 helicopters in Australia and 65% of them are Robinsons. Mm-hmm. Well, the Robinson factory, if you want a new Robinson helicopter, you're looking at, at later this year to get a new one. So what that's doing is it's propping up the prices of the current secondary market. We're seeing the same thing in general aviation. Single-engine single aircraft, for example, a Cessna 172 or a 182, they're rare as hen's teeth at the moment and, and people are having to pay a premium for them. But there's other aircraft that you know are, are, are not as popular and not as 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 in demand. The prices are languishing accordingly. It's all about supply and demand, as we all know.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Sebastian, I mean, any any sort of reflections on uh, aircraft valuations and, and how that impacts the sort of work that you do?
2: Yeah, I think. Look, David's point is exactly right. It's all about supply and demand. If you think about where the demand is and and what's happening globally with. Um, international transport, you know, they're essentially long-haul international air- aircraft or the wide-body aircraft. So you're thinking um, 330s, you're thinking uh, um, you know, 767s, et cetera, et etc. They're just not in demand because nobody's flying them, as opposed to you look at 737-800s, um, you know, which is obviously the Virgin fleet. Qantas are flying those. They're flying A320s. So the domestic um, businesses are demanding those those smaller aircraft those short haul um aircraft so that's that's where the that's where the the values are going accordingly um, you know there there's no there's no doubt that the values have come down on those 737 800s right. for example right. but um yeah. not to the extent of the wide bodies okay
0: I wonder, David. Uh, I know that in the in, when it comes to used motor vehicles, uh, actually yellow goods, motor vehicles, you know, trucks, et cetera, I mean, the used prices of those things have gone through the roof yep.
2: since COVID,
0: really, because I think you know, there's the, the, the. I think the story with cars, for example, is that. You know the, the new car. The new cars aren't coming into the country, so there's no trade-ins, and so because Correct. there's no trade-ins, there's no stock. The the dealers are having to go to the auctions, and so is there, is there a similar effect with aircraft?
1: Yes, and 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 I think that one of the things that happens is that if if financiers and bankers are looking to fund an asset on a purely on an asset based uh, capacity and and you know a clean asset loan then they'll look at the asset market. For example, in private aircraft or corporate jets, uh, the first three, basically 2020 was a year of two halves. The first three quarters was a complete disaster. We were seeing in some larger private jets, they were having reduction in, in values of 20, 25, 30%. Wow. But in that last quarter of 2020, um, the market went berserk and not only made up all of the losses for the first three quarters, but actually saw some increases in values. And so it's, it's again, sorry to sound like a broken record, but it's all about supply and demand. And if you have a demand, you've got to look at the supply. I think the other thing that the banks and financiers are looking at when you when we talk about uh, assessing risk and assessing appetite for, for funding, um, I think one of the things we're seeing is that they're more looking at the entity that's looking for the loan. So it's not just Mm -hmm. about uh, the actual asset that that is being assessed. It's also about the operator and whether they're a robust operator or whether they're a struggling operator. So they're looking at more than just the assets in, in what we can tell.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that that applies a little bit across the board, you know, of course. Uh, to some extent anyway. Um but but I do hear what you're saying. Uh we were talking a little bit earlier what 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 do you think's happening with with Rex Sebastian? What's the what's the go there? Yeah,
2: yeah look, it's that's going to be a, it's a really interesting one. Um great for consumers. Um you know, another entry in the market. Um it's it's going to be tough for them, you know, Qantas and Virgin, you know, I, I don't know anything more than the average partner but Qantas and Virgin aren't going to give up their market share um my concern for them is is that six seven three sevens is is subscale so you know it's going to be very difficult to 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 hit the or make up the required overheads um especially if they're flying you know 49 bucks Sydney Brisbane I mean it barely covers your airport charges so that's going to be T- for them but that said they're tightly run they always have been you know if you look at say alliance as the benchmark for a, a business that is really tightly run um you know that that's what they're going to have to do um so i think it'll be really interesting to to watch and see how they go
0: yeah i guess uh i, I suppose there's cost curves there is what you're referring to so yeah. you're saying that the capacity that they've got doesn't really intersect the cost curve to to to, to make the thing viable you're suggesting without well, without sort of
2: yeah, I mean it's it's, it's, it's not cheap to yeah exactly and it's it's not cheap to put 737s in the sky they've mm. been running Saab 340s for for many a year since you know the regional express was formed out of Ansett in in 2002 so mm. you know they've they've got they know what they're doing you know and they operate a, as they will. Um, that said you know you've got a, another cost base to run a 737 fleet and is is six aircraft enough I wouldn't have thought so but mm. I don't know the the cost model.
0: I suppose they'd be looking at a lot of their a lot of their regional stuff, you know, people are, are hopping on at one place and then getting off uh, you know getting off at Brisbane or, or Sydney or whatever and then hopping on to a Virgin or a Qantas and they're probably wanting to pick up a slice of that action I guess is, is the economics of it. Um, yeah. what what David uh, so so getting away from the you know obviously there's the commercial operators what what about the the corporate jets, you know, the corporate flyers what what are the trends there is there uh, you know are more people getting their own aircraft or how, how's that market look?
1: Surprisingly, yes. And and it's it's reasonably driven by a, a US mentality that says, you know, I don't want to be at the behest of the commercial operators and I don't necessarily want to have to sit next to, you know, some member of the general public that's got some set of sniffles and flus and carry on. I might catch COVID. Um,
0: is that right? Really? Is COVID a factor?
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, particularly in overseas markets, not here so much. Right. Um, In in general terms, Australia is a relatively small market for corporate jets. I mean, there's more there's more corporate jets parked at Van Nuys Airport in California than is in the whole of Australia. So, you know, we're a we're a small market per se. But there is a, there is quite a level of interest and quite a level of uh, acquisitions going on at the present because of that. People want to have the capacity to make their own choices about when I go, where I go, and how I go, and that see? is driving a lot of the demand. The demand is quite high. There's there's some aircraft that, particularly in the Australian landscape, like the Embraer Phenom three hundred, um, you know, and, and, and several other versions of smaller aircraft. They're going gangbusters at the moment. Prices are quite buoyant.
0: Uh, has Cordometha got a corporate jet as yet, Sebastian? Or
2: <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> and we will not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what, what are your views there? I mean, it's funny. Um, uh, I guess in lending you have various sayings. I mean, there's one that, I, I you know, there's nothing that... Uh, Nothing that floats, flies or passes gas is, uh, is one, of the, one of the things you can, you can imagine what the other F is there. And Another thing is I, I know that, um, you know, I, I used to work for a guy years ago that he used to say if you walk into a, into a business and they had a fish tank out the front, that was always a bad sign. There's, I mean, is, uh, you do a lot of uh, pre-lending reviews and uh, a lot of work around capital raising. I mean, what's your view on corporate Gs?
2: I look. I, I tend to agree. I love the fish tank analogy. I use that myself. I think it's. I think it's really accurate. As as well as the three Fs, I think David hit the nail on the head though. When when you talk about the corporate jet as a as a tool of trade, um, if if you are if you know. There's a bit of ego that goes with a corporate jet, um, especially yep. if you are actually flying a jet, as opposed to, you know, there's some very sensible people getting around in nice turboprops or PC-12s or something like that, which is a lot cheaper to run, you know, on a, you know, six 700k trip, it'll probably add another five minutes to your trip. So, you know, you just got to be careful. So if people are buying it as a tool of trade, because... They can't rely on what is a reduced RPT schedule. I get that, um, but you yeah. can't, you know, you can't think you're going to make money out of it. once you get into anything up, up the tree in terms of expensive corporate jets, mm-hmm. you know, I, I find it difficult to justify in Australia, to be honest. Okay. Mm. All
0: right. Listen, we're, we're running out of time. So, David, I'm just going to ask you uh, firstly, I, I've got some friends at Warnervale, um, the Central Coast uh, uh, airport up there at the, the flight school. Now, they tell me that general aviation is uh, going pretty well at the moment.
1: It is. Yep. Particularly yeah. for single engine, Tw- twin yeah. engine, n- not as buoyant, but single engine, gangbusters at the present
0: yeah so you're getting asked to to value you know the odd cirrus and all that sort of stuff i mean what's yep. what's, what, what's 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 the flavor of the month at the moment
1: Cirruses are, are quite go um even uh larger t- turboprop single t- turboprop like uh caravans and piper meridians um Pilateses, just yep you if you find one, grab onto it because they're they're hard to find particularly later model. Um, you know, there's a rush to later model better quality, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you can only work with what's in the marketplace.
0: Okay. And just your, your closing thoughts and then I'll come to you, Sebastian, for your closing thoughts.
1: Uh, you, look, a- aviation is a robust industry and it has very, very many sectors. And I, I guess, from a financing perspective and, a, and an asset reliability f- uh, perspective, do your homework,
2: and you will not go. You will not go wrong. Very good.
0: Okay, Sebastian.
2: Yeah, my closing thought, and this is just to simplify things. I like to think of RPT um, aviation as very similar to a fruit and veg shop because you know it's about bums on seats. Um, because once that seat's gone it's 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 gone you can't resell it um so it's about utilization of your fleet you know you've got to sweat your fleet and yield so pricing so to, to david's point understand the business talk to the right people and and you won't go far wrong
0: Okay, fantastic. Well, it's been a real privilege to have both of you today because I, I really do sincerely mean it. I mean, as far as if you're going to talk aviation, then you guys are probably the best two guys to speak to. So thank you very much, David Crick uh, from yeah, Dover Air for joining me and Sebastian Hampton, from It's been, as uh, I say, it's been a real honour and
1: thank you very much. Appreciate being thank involved. You. Thanks, Nick. Okay. Thanks very much, Nick. Yeah.